0: All uh-huh. right.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that reminds me of actually. No, that reminds me of actually. Topic. We're going to be way off topic. Oh, which one are you listening to? Show. Background.
2: It's not me. Not me.
1: That Beth, echo? is it you? You hear that echo? You hear that echo? All right, I'm going to find out whose echo I'm it is. I'm going to find out whose echo it is. It is not Mike's echo. It is not Mike's echo. It is. It wasn't me. It is Beth's echo. Oh, Bethany. 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 But how? I don't know. Are you listening to the show somehow?
3: I don't see how I could be. I didn't click on anything. It's gone now. Oh, okay. I
1: don't know what you did. It's gone
2: just like the Canadians are gone.
1: It is. Like the Canadians. You're already getting us back on topic. I was going to immediately take us off topic. Um, Do you guys get those like weird... Uh, Spam Like solicitor calls To your phone Where it's a woman And she's like hello And you go hello And she goes oh I'm sorry um, I was just adjusting my headset No? No oh. one? Well whatever So the first time I ever got one of those I thought it was a real person I hung up on them And I was like ah oh, you know what I really shouldn't have hung up on her That was rude I should have just said I wasn't interested Whatever oh. And then like the next day I got a call from a different number That was the exact same thing And I was like oh those sons of bitches What what a good way to try and trick us into listening Mm. to whatever their spammy messages are. Anyway, um, this is Bantering the Blue Shirts. We are on Tuesday because Beth could not do tomorrow, and we refuse, and I mean refuse, to do this without Beth. Beth, Michael, how are you?
2: Good. Rangers, good. Hockey, good.
1: Rangers were good.
2: Hockey Hockey was
1: good. Yeah, there's a lot of good, really Good. good things. I don't think there's. uh, I don't really think we could be negative about anything right now, even if we wanted to be.
3: I don't have it in me. Happy Happy anyway.
2: Global warming, I guess, but why would you bring that
1: up? Uh, I'm your host. I'm joined as always by my co hosts, Michael Murphy and Bethany Macklin. How are you two doing today? Swimmingly. Lovely. Good.
3: I have a low-grade fever, but that doesn't really matter to anybody else. Well, it matters uh,
2: to us. we to be healthy. We worry. We do worry. <laughs> uh, oh, how we worry.
1: We've never stopped worrying, to be completely honest with you. I'm I worry, get, um, guys,
2: when we're not doing podcasts. Just,
1: I just think horrible not. things will happen. Uh, this podcast that we are requesting you pay for... Because If you can. We're doing some really good payment stuff. Um, is sponsored by Patreon. Patreon.com slash banter. You can go, and you can donate monies, and some people have, and that is why none of us have to fear Beth licking a ranger and then going to jail without bail money. And those people are Anthony Viola, George Lippman, Dan Lynch, Matt Bader, Eric Combe, Daniel DeGene, Michael Silvers, Trevor Kempner, Thomas Osa, Alexander Thornton, Nicholas Forenza, Dan Carosi, Taylor Ryder, John J. Porter, Armio Kissinger, Zachary Zetlin, Igor Zatlovsky, and Arch Williams. All of you are better than everybody else. You could be included in that. You're better than everybody else if you go to patreon.com slash blue shirt banter. Um... Boy, howdy. I have some egg on my face because I thought the Rangers would lose the series to Montreal in six. Instead, they won the series against Montreal in six. Mike was right. Yeah, you made a correct prediction. Talk on why and how. How?
2: Well, the honest answer is I froze up and panicked and just said Rangers in six.
1: Um, Okay, you've you've ruined whatever majestic I gave you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, I'm not, it's not like I have like I can turn over a dry erase board and show a bunch of equations I've been working on. Um, I I felt like heading into the series, Montreal's biggest problem was a problem that really haunted them all series long. Is they had that one scoring line, and then really nothing else to be too worried about. I mean, there's Shea Weber Slapshot, on the power play and everything, but there's there wasn't too much to really get nervous about from Montreal other than Carey Price, um, you know, stealing games. But uh, six games to me seemed like a reasonable, like a guess, just because Hank is Hank, and you know, it's really easy to to talk about why I was right, but uh, you know, it <laughs> certainly wasn't wasn't as painless as I thought it was going to be. It was pretty interesting how, how awful the Rangers looked in, uh, I think it was Game 3, when it was just, you know, they didn't look like a playoff team. And then, you know, when they kind of just kicked into gear and turned things around. I mean, for that Game 6, that was, for a lot of that game, I think we saw the team that we were hoping to maybe see... Uh, you know, in the playoffs, the team that, you know, not just because, surprise, surprise, scored a power play goal, which was just great, because now our power play is like 6%, which is awesome, instead of zero. <laughs> Much better. Um, but it's, it was a really good effort. It was great to see Zuccarello have a big game. Um, and it was great to see, frankly, the Rangers, you know, finish off at home ice with all that, you know, that narrative that, I was really – if the Rangers won it in seven and that narrative of the home ice was going to follow them all the way into the next round, it would have been as agonizing as it was times two. So,
1: Beth, you were more right than I was. What were your thoughts on the series?
3: Uh, apparently, I originally said Rangers in seven because I thought they liked to take things to seven just to, you know, take years off our lives. But um, <laughs> I was informed by both Mike and my husband that I uh, – and then the next week I changed my mind and said six and said I'd said that the whole time, which I had not, as both my husband and Mike told me after listening. So yeah. Dirty so i a line, liar, liar lies, but yes, I was still writer who than you were. <laughs> um and you know what? We were let's just bask in a minute for the fact that we were all right. Okay, that Elaine Vignol was not gonna win a series with Tanner Glass. Um and that was not the way to go. And no offense to Mr. Glass, of course. Um, we all wanted to see Bushnevich back out there. He came back out there. He got rolling really fast
1: with the vengeance. Um,
3: yeah, just that was the guy we'd been waiting for and dreaming about. Um, and you know, so it, it sort of you know feels good as a fan and a hockey blogger and. All of that to be like, okay, you know, not only were we right, um, but we're right. The team won the series. They feel really happy about it, and a whole bunch of players seem to suddenly remember what it is they do and do it really well. And no I better have time, remember really.
1: That it was Beth's dark magic that forced the overtime game that was Game Five. Um, yeah, she she you wished for. You were. Yeah, she did, and she did it willingly. Um, The difference, the Rangers have been called Jekyll and Hyde a lot here, and I totally agree with that because the games the Rangers lost, uh, Mike, you said it perfectly, they did not even look like a playoff team. And then the games that they won, they looked like a team that could very well be contenders through this entire playoffs. So I don't necessarily think it's coincidence that the minute A V went to a full skill lineup and the Rangers were able to just run straight lines at the Canadians, they reeled off three straight wins and won the series as painlessly as they could have, given the situation that they were in. Uh, this is a team that and let's I, I want to make something else clear here. Of all the problems that the Rangers had when they lost game two and then when they lost game three which was about as listless of an effort as I could ever remember seeing in the playoffs Tanner Glass was uh, well on the second or third page of the list of problems that the Rangers had (laughs) and that's not to insinuate that he deserved to keep playing but it's also not to insinuate that he did not deserve it and I know that that sounds confusing but ultimately Glass did not play himself out of the lineup because he was playing poorly it's just that for the first time, AV made a conscientious decision about rather than what you're getting out of the player who's playing, think about what you're losing with the player that's sitting. And Buchnevich, without any points, was as dominant as any forward the Rangers had in the three games that he played. We're going to talk a little bit about Matt Zuccarello. We're going to talk a little bit about Rick Nash. We're going to talk a lot, I'm sure, about Henrik Lundqvist, but I want to give Buchnevich his due because. He went on a line with Crowder and Zapanajad who are about as invisible as you could possibly be. And instantly, that line became one of the more formidable lines that the New York Rangers had in the playoffs. And again, I I just, I don't think it was a coincidence at all. Now, I think Claude Julien did the New York Rangers an enormous favor by dressing a relatively heavy lineup and not playing the speed and skill that he could have keeping Galchenyuk down on the fourth line for a period of time, having Dwight King and Steve Ott play enormous roles in these playoffs, even when they were down goals and they needed offense. And I think that's part of the reason why Dan Girardi was as successful as he was, because as we've seen, Girardi is not a bad defender in one-on-one situations, one-trick ponies, I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. Uh, against slower teams. It's when teams use their speed and their and their skill, really, that he runs into some issues. But Beth wrote an article complimenting him. We all complimented Girardi. That was about as good of a series out of him as I think any of us could hope for. Do I think that Ottawa is going to be a lot more difficult? Yes, absolutely. The Ottawa Senators are a quicker team. I don't necessarily want to say they're more skilled, but they run their skill a little bit differently than Montreal does. And I think... For most of the series, if not all of it, Montreal was far more concerned about beating the hell out of the Rangers. And for the first three games of the series, the Rangers were just as interested in giving it back to them. And the minute the Rangers turned around and said, you know what? That's not our game. We're not built like that. We're just going to run circles at you. This series could have been over a lot less heart-stoppingly if Carey Price wasn't as good as he was. And what are your thoughts on all of that, Michael.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's hard. It's hard not to feel like Julien did did the Rangers a favor with some of the lineup decisions decisions he made, especially Galchenyuk. Uh, you know, he's. I know the Montreal media is uh, really, really was kind of pulling at every thread they could uh, after Game Six. You know, it felt like the handshake line wasn't even done before there was speculation about whether or not Carey Price was good enough and. How it's somehow Price's fault because he never quote unquote stole a game and goalies need to do that and you know, of course Galchenyuk and Patcheri, you know, both not scoring a goal was a huge storyline. But you know, there's I think there's two things to point to with that. Uh, one is Julian's deployment of Galchenyuk, which was very suspect. Uh, I just did an article on it, and you know his Galchenyuk played largely in the third and fourth line and at even strength. And then on the power play, the top power play unit. But, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, he played two and a half power play and it's a night, but the vast majority of his ice time was with, you know, guys who like, you know, Lekkanen and, you know, Shaw are not terrible players, but it's not quite the same as playing with guys like Radulov or Pacharetti. So, um, that was obviously a, a large contributing factor. And Lundquist was out of his mind good. And, you know, the reason guys like Pacioretty didn't score, I don't even remember, you know, how many shots he put on net, but it was not for lack of trying. He put he put plenty of shots on net. And I'm sure most Ranger fans will just remember what he tried to do to poor, sweet little Jimmy Vesey. But... Um, <laughs> You know, it was a really peculiar series in terms of how it was coached um, from both teams. I mean, I, the number of times we saw the stall and holding, hold and pairing on the ice when they really should not have been there, and you know the the roles and ice time given to guys like Steve Ott, you know, who just all series long just seemed it seemed like he was in the lineup just to torment Zuccarello. That's like the whole reason he was there is to make Zuccarello's life miserable. Um, and you know, it's, it begs the question was that the right move and the most encouraging thing to me I know I'm kind of venturing away from the question you posed, Joe but the the thing that's most satisfying and encouraging to me is that uh, the Rangers won with that all-skill lineup and there shouldn't now be a question of whether or not that's the right path that's the right road because if this if going with skill and Buchnevich meant a, a loss in the first round, then I shudder to think about what would happen in the free agency and then on, on draft day and all that, because uh, the Rangers are definitely a team with the history of kind of overreacting. I mean, with, you know, Oh, we didn't have enough X or Y in the playoffs and that's why we lost. Now let's go, let's go fix that. You know, we've seen way too much of that over in, you know, in recent history. So, uh, it was definitely, in terms of coaching, it's actually a pretty fascinating series to, to study and to, you know, reminisce about. Because these are two coaches who knew each other very well. And, you we know, one coach had only been behind the bench in Montreal for, you know, a couple a handful of months. And, you know, has been with the Rangers a couple of years now.
1: And
0: I'm not
2: really sure coaching won the series, uh,
1: if that makes sense. Well, you could make an argument that Coaching lost the series if you're Montreal. Yeah,
2: I would agree with that, yeah.
1: I love the fact that Carey Price has reached the Lundqvist level of our team scored eight goals in six playoff games, but somehow it's the goalie's fault. Um, At least it's not just Lundqvist that needs to go through something like that. Uh, Look, I'm very encouraged by the good that I saw from the Rangers. Uh, I think I'm a little concerned about the bad that we saw, but... You don't get style points. It doesn't matter how you win the games. It just matters that you win the games. And the New York Rangers won the games that they had to, and they've moved on to the second round. And it's a very ironic feeling to sit there and think that, you know, if the Rangers made it out of the first round, I thought they were Eastern or their Eastern conference finals bound. And if Washington and Pittsburgh happen to beat the shit out of each other and one of them gets really beaten up and, Or the Rangers play as well as they have played at their best against Montreal, you could see the team go to the Stanley cup and do something special. I really think this group can do something special. It's, it's why it was so frustrating when they made the decisions that they made in in terms of getting glass back in and sitting books, and the defensive decisions that they've made for two years now. So, I've seen a lot of stuff that I really like that I was not expecting to see. The power play not doing anything is a disaster. Hopefully that has ended at some point uh, like right now. I think Ottawa is going to be a little bit more run and gun than Montreal was. And like I said, not to crap all over Girardi, who really did have a great series against Montreal. I, I just don't know how he's going to be able to handle that. And we've seen that the stall slash hold slash climb pairing is completely incapable of doing anything right. And that is something that I think you should be concerned about as well. Eric Carlson is one of the best players in the NHL. Supposedly he has two stress fractures in his foot and that may make a difference, but so be it. Derek Broussard is one of the hottest playoff performers out there right now. I mean, he always was with New York. Ottawa Hoffman and, and Bobby Ryan are on fire. They have a lot of firepower. Lundquist is going to have to do a lot of work. And on top of that, Craig Anderson is not necessarily that much of a downgrade from Carey Price. So I think the Rangers got away with a little bit more than they could have against Montreal. I definitely think Montreal did them a few favors, but if they clean up their act, I really can see them doing something special this year. And, you know, as someone who was willing to trade Grabner maybe two or three months ago, I kind of feel like an idiot. And I hope they make me feel like an idiot and win the Stanley Cup because that would be that would be great. It would be great for them to prove me wrong. So uh, what about Ottawa scares you the most, Beth?
3: Eric Carlson. Ooh, fractures or no fractures.
1: Yeah. Um, I, he would scare me without a
3: leg. Yeah, right. <laughs> Out there with one leg and two sticks. Yeah. Um so that and yeah, more speed. It was just by the way, whenever you abbreviate Ottawa Ott, I think you're still talking about Steve Ott, and I get very confused in your tweets. By <laughs> I never the way, thought so. of that. I'm just,
1: I never I never did think of that.
3: <laughs> like why are we still huh. talking about this guy? Um So that's mostly it and just seeing, you know, I'm whenever the Rangers, at their best, can beat anybody. So my biggest fear is always going to be their consistency over anything else that another team can bring. Of course, there's going to be the whole Broussard, uh zuccarello narrative, which I guess we were already hearing about from A.V. today. He's not our friend. No butt pats for him. Blah, blah, blah. Tapping of the butts. Um, the greatest. Just yeah. tapping of the butts. There shall be no tapping of that butt. Um, is a thing I just on a podcast and so in light of that yeah I mean the Rangers are their own worst enemy the Rangers and their coach are their own worst enemy Um, but you know things seem to be looking up in terms of the choices made there so my fingers are crossed but yeah the thing that scares you know it's the Gump Worsley quote quote. the team that uh, gives them the most trouble is the New York Rangers that's that's consistently the Rangers problem is themselves I think michael
2: uh not to be a parrot but pretty much verbatim what beth said there's there are guys on on Ottawa are really worried about in terms of forwards you know guys who you know the if you look at like hoffman's power play numbers this year it's 13 power play goals and of course there's stone and tourists even as a guy who I don't think has really been talked about um, as much as maybe he should be just because uh, Broussard's numbers have been so, you know, so exceptional so far in the playoffs, but uh, it all really begins and ends with Eric Carlson. If he's able to, you know, play up to like 85% of what a normal Eric Carlson is, then he's still enough to, to really give the Rangers all sorts of nightmares, uh, you know, and, the way he can move the puck the way he can you know exploit sloppy changes and you know make teams pay for mistakes and we all know against the Montreals here you know against Montreal the Rangers made plenty of mistakes and it's it wasn't just things like oh Mark Stahl goofed up uh, he didn't take the easy breakout when it was there he doubled back for whatever reason and then it ended up in the back of the Rangers net you know, those are mistakes that just kind of happen with fatigue and everything, but mistakes like, oh, you know, the line changer's a little bit sloppy, or, you know, someone's out of position in the transition game, and all of a sudden there's a home run pass, and there's Hoffman or Stone or Bobby Ryan on a breakaway. I mean, those are the sort of things that Eric Carlson can do, and the thing that's so troubling about that is he plays every other minute. You know, he plays 30 minutes a night. So
0: um,
2: it's going to be really, you know, a question of what Eric Carlson looks like. And ironically, I I know there's plenty of irony in this. The Rangers will do, be doing themselves a favor if they make sure to finish every check they have on him. Um, I know that's not something we talk about a lot on this podcast, but. If he's already hurt, and I know it sounds a little, uh, little savage and mean, but you know he's the guy that you want to target. He's the guy you want not feeling 100%. He's the guy you want to feel like he has to rush the puck when it's on his stick. So um, I'm really interested about what that means. It's Anderson, like you said, Joe, is, is still a pretty damn good goalie. I mean, his regular season numbers were just out-of-this-world good. Um, he, You know, he was still very solid against Boston, but not quite, you know, a 940 save percentage like you had in the regular season at even strength. So uh, there's a lot to Ottawa where I think we all know this is the matchup we would have wanted. I mean, you can't really draw it up better than facing Ottawa, but it doesn't mean this is going to be a cakewalk.
1: I hate picking my poison. I really do, because yeah, people are like, oh, would you rather play Boston or Ottawa? And I know that whatever team I select will decimate the Rangers simply because I selected them. Um, (laughs) I will also say Carlson, but for the sake of not saying the same thing time and time again, the only point that I will make on that is Montreal, even listen, Shea Weber is a great offensive defenseman, but there are really two types of offensive defensemen. There is like the tower of destruction, which is Weber has an amazing shot and Weber can, Blow Lundqvist's glove off, but he can really only do that in the offensive zone when he has the puck. And then there is the speed vision danger from an offensive defenseman, and that is Carlson. Montreal did not have a defenseman that could come out of the zone and put the Rangers on their heels. Everything that they did, they ran through the neutral zone. Carlson could go from behind his own net to scoring a goal right in front of your net in the snap of a finger. And I just snapped, but I don't think the acoustics in my basement are good enough for you to hear it, so so (laughs) be it. We, heard your, um, but we I, heard your lovely snap. I will say that Craig Anderson scares the crap out of me because he does have the Rangers number. He's had it in the past. I, I don't think there was a good matchup between him and Tuka Rask. Ooh, that rhymes. Um, but there's a lot of things going right for Craig Anderson right now, and I think that's going to be a very difficult not to crack the same way that Carrie Price was, and listen, the Rangers scored just enough goals to get by, and that's fantastic, but that's a tough way to live, and I think, like I said, Ottawa's going to score a lot more goals than Montreal did, and that's just going to have to be something that people are going to deal with. We have a caller. I think we should take a caller. 937 Area Code. You are on Banter in the Blue Shirts. Who is this?
0: Joe, how are you doing? It's Daniel. Felicity. What's going on? How's things happening over there?
1: What's going on, man? How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right, you know, uh you know, uh happy, very happy the Rangers are in the second round defeating Montreal and uh you know, not to, you know, talk about things that are not Ranger like but isn't it weird how Montreal fans were begging now that the series was over that the Canadians should trade Price? Yep. It's
3: I it's, mean, I it's that. very <laughs> New
1: York Rangers. It it really is. Isn't it? And Look, <clears throat> this is the exact same... Who said is it? Was it you, Beth? Did you say is it?
3: Oh, no, I no? agree.
1: Oh, you agree. I thought someone said is it, because I could not think of anything Me, more dangerous than... That. Oh, that was you. All right, Daniel. That well, was yes, great. it is. Because
0: I. this <laughs> is the same team,
1: this is the same fan base that didn't want Lundquist starting playoff games.
0: I know. And I know. Last it's year, ridiculous. Montreal...
1: Made a big trade for for Weber because they thought that they needed to do it, and nothing would please me more than for them to trade Carey Price away. It really would not.
0: No, absolutely. But I will say this: um, just I wanted to go back to your point you made um, on Twitter, Joe, about you know Glass should not be out there, you know Butch Nevit should be out there, and 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 I agreed with you that you know Glass was doing well, but there was a point where Glass had to be pulled. It was the Vigno did it at the right time, puts in Butch And while, you know, the idea for Butch is to look dangerous out there. If he scores, it's a bonus. But Vigno did pull glass at the right time, put Butch in there, and the Rangers were attacking much better. And plus they had a better game four when he was put out there up to the point where they eliminated the Canadians. So I was happy to see that happen. And, uh, you know, look, if Glass has to get in there, you know, just to put another spark in the team, so be it. But still, though, you're absolutely correct. Butchnevich, uh, you know, we need his shots more than we need Glass out there, unless Glass is performing well. Um, but I will agree with everyone on the panel. Ottawa is scary, and very, very scary, because the goaltending, as we all know, Craig Anderson has his, the Rangers number. And it's even more menacing, because obviously – It's not that he's playing for himself, nor is he playing just for the Senators. He's playing for his wife, who has that. I forget what she has, but I know it's not good. And when you've got a goaltender, not just having the Rangers' number, but also playing for their spouse, who has a a terrible disease. Um, I think it might be something with cancer, but I could be wrong. I don't want to assume Yeah, she's
2: battling cancer.
0: It is. Thank you very much. That's when you've got a goaltender that's double dangerous, out on the ice, trying to prevent any team trying to stop as many pucks as possible. So I think right now, goaltending in this thing is double dangerous for the Rangers because of uh, Craig Anderson's drive for his wife.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a, and thank you, Daniel, for giving a call. Uh, you have, when is your podcast run now? Go ahead and plug it for the people before I let you go.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, it's on Monday nights on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Four Years Fire. And, of course, it's on American Soccer. But I'm a big Rangers fan, too. Let's not forget that. Um, so, everyone can come on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Four years teams Fire Monday nights, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. And I will listen to the rest of the show here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks, guys. And, uh,
3: yeah,
0: you thank know, you. be, be no, aware thank you. of that.
1: Yeah, you guys are. Thank uh, you. You're li- you're listening on Blaw Talk Radio, so you could just jump right over to his on Mondays. That is it's it's not the worst point in the world about Anderson. I think we saw it with St. Louis too, when the when the Rangers made their Stanley Cup run. and His mother passed away. That listen, you, you, not that these guys need to find drive, and not especially do you need to try to find drive in tragedy. But there are a lot of emotions that that come at stake, and I'm it's an uncomfortable topic to talk about because you really don't want to mix hockey with something that's so much more important, which is someone's life. But I don't know if the Rangers come back and beat Pittsburgh in that series if they don't see Saint Louis come back to the ice and work his ass off a couple of days after his mother passed away. I I, I don't know. Something like that really does bond the locker room together. These guys are closer than close already. So to see someone going through that, I mean Ottawa did a lot of work to make it to the playoffs this year. They really did. And Craig Anderson has been one of the best stories in the NHL this year. And the picture of him going to hug his wife after the game, that touches a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Yeah, especially that locker room. Right, and it's uncomfortable to talk about that being a factor in a playoff series because we're talking about someone's life, but you don't need much to get these guys going. And Ottawa feels like they're on a mission, and they should feel like they're on a mission the Rangers feel like they're on a mission and they should feel like they're on a mission. But I definitely see that being potentially playing a factor uh, one way or another. I, I don't think, I don't think it's going to make the big. if Anderson is good, it's not because his wife is sick. Anderson is a very good goaltender, but there are things that just kind of pull the locker room together. And you never know when you need that jolt of motivation. And, and to the point of just one last thing on what Daniel was talking about with you know, if you need to get glass back in in the event that the Rangers need a spark. I think what for me was the turning point of, okay, the glass thing isn't working was game three. Uh, When the Rangers came out as flat as flat could be with him out there, that's the whole point of him being in is supposed to be that spark. And if that can happen with him on the ice, then you need to get as much talent out there as you can. And I do agree with him from the standpoint that, Bush does not need to necessarily put up offense, but his distribution makes Kreider's Zibanejad and the power play so much more dangerous. I think that being able to run four skill lines is going to give Ottawa just as much trouble as it gave Montreal because neither Montreal nor Ottawa is a particularly deep team and the Rangers very well may have the best forward lineup left top to bottom, unless you think that I'm crazy. Mike, you can tell me if I'm crazy. <laughs> Uh,
2: I don't know. I think Washington would give the Rangers a real run for their money, but um, the, to go back to Anderson, they're it's... dressing
1: t- Tom Wilson. I mean, we're, I'm talking just forwards, top to bottom. I don't know if there's a more complete team. Eh, I still think Washington's really good. Okay. Um, now you're getting. The... <laughs> I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying I think. No, I, I, like. I... It's
2: easier to, to rip on,
3: team,
1: yeah.
2: It's, it's really team.
1: easy to rip on Tom Wilson, but
2: like, you know, considering well, the role he plays, he's perfectly fine. All
1: right, just but one of you, you speak. You've ruined the <laughs> podcast for both of us. All right, that,
2: that's fine. I'll. I wanted to bring up this point because it is. I think it is important. You know, this year Anderson faced the Rangers in two games, and he stopped 51 shots and he allowed one goal in those two games so you know obviously that's just this season that's a sample size of two games but you know it's he had an amazing year and obviously there's a lot of you know off the ice stuff that makes this playoff run especially you know significant for that team and for him Um, and just you know just to go back to what Daniel brought up because it is it is one of those things where you have to tiptoe around it because you have to remember, you know, it's, it's someone's life and someone's health and, you know, a family and all that. And that's all those things are very important, but it, it's going to be a storyline just like the Brassard, zabinajad you know, trade is going to be a storyline, just like the Kreider, price thing was a storyline in, you know, in the Montreal series, it's going to be there. And that means it's on the minds of not just the fans and, the analysts but the players as well, as much as you know as much as they want to put up the blinders and just play hockey. You know, they, they get asked the same questions after every game. And uh, you know, if Pierre Maguire had his way during every commercial stoppage. So um, <laughs> it's going to be a factor one way or another. But I, I do agree with you, Joe, in that when the Rangers are playing all you know, when they're really putting out the, the best lines they can their forward group is very exceptional. Of course, you know, there's all the problems on the on the blue line we can get into, and we often do get into it, but, you know, it's, it's really important to think of how the Rangers got where they are now without, frankly, a really quiet series from Kreider, um, you know, not necessarily, you know, blowing the door off the frame series from Stepan. Uh, you know, a lot of guys who... You know, and really was kind of quiet in the first couple of games, but he, you know, I think he has yeah. points in four straight now. Um, but the Rangers got to where they are now with Ottawa, really not firing on all cylinders. So if all the pieces come together at the right time, they can really be, you know, they can make a run.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and the reason to, I mean, I don't think it's, arbitrary or shallow to make the connection um, with Anderson and his wife's illness because the story is that she told him to come back and play hockey um, yeah. so you know the the story the family itself essentially link the stories not to value those two things equally um, but because you know that even adds to the narrative that he's playing for her because she asked him to Um, And it's hard to compete with that. And it's hard to realize that once again, you know, Hank is not going to be the goalie. (laughs) What does he have to do to actually be the goalie who's getting the attention in whatever series he's in? Um, Because really everyone was talking about price until the tide turned. Um, And then even then I think, you know, Hank got, a few minutes of glory and now this next series is definitely going to be all about, all about Anderson and, and justly, but, you know, for Hank to continue being in God mode. Um, We also have to remember the thing that I never quite forget is that a lot of goalies go into God mode against the Rangers for reasons we don't understand. (laughs) That's kind of a special team has, whether they're baby goalies or, you know, I'm thinking Murray, I'm thinking Tokarski, I'm thinking a whole, you know, we we tend to bring that out in goalies. So to be up against a goalie that's even got this kind of narrative and success momentum behind them, yeah, it's it's a little frightening. It's probably the only thing that could really be a competing story to Hank with his return to form right now, frankly. And Hank's return to form is... Really a big reason
1: why the Rangers got to where they got to, because they were by no means perfect in this series. And Lundquist had to do a lot of work. Game six specifically, it was vintage. I am going to drag us to the next level because none of you are good enough to do it for me. And he did. He really, I really do think he is the greatest thing to happen to this organization. Stanley Cup or no Stanley Cup, and at the very least, one of them, because he has been just incredible for the New York Rangers through his career here. He's brought them back to Revelance. I don't want to necessarily talk about him like he's gone because he's not, and the Rangers are still moving forward, but, yeah, there's definitely a lot there to appreciate, and all of you who booed him or did not appreciate him, you are fools, and you will be punished. I don't know how yet, but you will be
3: punished. I think they have to wear some, something. Like, if they have, if they have like, Ranger sweaters. I, I think there should be something on them to mark them in their shame.
1: Ooh, yes, is my that's theory. a good one. Maybe like a, a red band lobster or dip. something. Yes, or yes. better yet, an ostrich. an ostrich, A drawing yes. of an ostrich goes on their forehead. And it can never be removed. Or they have a permanent to a
3: hat. I'll so know who they are.
1: Um, so I guess we have to talk about the Brassard Zivanujad thing. Um, And really, the Broussard-Zuccarello thing,
3: uh, A.V. (laughs) said there
1: would be no tapping of the butts. A.V. made a a few different comments about having to remind the team or that he was going to remind the team that they're not friends anymore. Uh, If that's even really needed, uh, I would be shocked, (laughs) but um, so be it. Do you see that playing a role at all in the playoffs? I do not personally. I really don't. I don't, people are going to talk about it. I'm sure Zuccarello and Broussard are going to have their moments where they're on the ice and you know, they're doing whatever. And then I'm sure we'll get a ton of the handshake line. This is what they did when they saw each other, regardless of who wins, but I don't think it's going to play that big of a role. What do you guys think?
2: Not at all. It's, it's going to be there on the handshake line and, maybe you know behind closed doors but i i sincerely doubt it. it's the playoff series is incredibly intense and as we we saw you know it's not easy to to make or stay friends when both teams are willing to do you know everything short of you know violence (laughs) that are outside the normal uh you know outside the normal theater of hockey to win games it's You know, like we're not going to see them, you know, palling around, you know, in a game where they're both, you know, intense as all hell and trying to win. I mean, we've seen fiery Zuccarello, uh, you know, before this playoffs, but he was just a little ball of Norwegian hate um, against (laughs) Montreal. And it was beautiful to see. Um, Just, you know, with Ott patting him on the head and Zuccarilla not standing for that. and Just all the little things where you just, you know, you look at him, he, he goes around and he's getting knocked off his feet and sent flying a couple feet with every body check. He's just right back up and, you know, zooming around the ice. He's, and Ottawa is, you know, a less physical team. They obviously have physical players, you know, they have... Burroughs and uh, the Bor- Borowitzki and all that, but it's I'm really not. It's really not going to be a story until the handshake line. I think I don't know, Beth. What do you What do you feel?
3: I agree because I mean, let's remember our one series last year was against the Pens, and so that was Zoot versus Taglin, which is essentially the same story. Um, yes, yeah, and when point. I look yeah, back on point. that, when I look back on that series now, I don't remember a damn thing about that interaction, or friction there, or tension there. I have 8,000 other things that make me miserable when I remember that series before I even remember that Hagelin was in it. So, you know, it's their job, and they know that. And of course, nobody wants to see things get especially fractious between the two of them, um, or bad feeling. But yeah, I don't, everyone's going to be looking for it. But I also think that... Unless something really strange happens, everyone's also going to pretty immediately forget it in the aftermath of whatever happens.
1: Yeah, there's no uh, – there's really no I, – I really don't think there's going to be any type of a, a storyline here outside of what the media is going to make it, which is going to be like, oh, my God, this is the biggest thing in the world. And it's really probably not the biggest thing in the world. Um, can so we talk about a Jimmy Vesey? was like the stage was not too big for Jimmy VC, The stage was not too big for Brady Shea or really Pavel Buchnevich What kid were you most proud of in that series? <laughs> Beth,
3: you get to go first. Ah! Um, well, I mean, I guess I have to say Boots because he waited so long and he came back with such fire. You know, I mean, he was on the shelf for such a long time. And to come in at such a crucial moment and rise to the occasion, um, when you know that or you've gotten the sense that your coach does not have much faith in you and chose to go a different way originally in the series, um, that takes huge heart. His playing aside. And so, I mean, when it comes down to who I think had the biggest challenge and came through with flying colors, I think my vote's going to be for Pavel for that one. That one.
1: Michael?
2: It's uh, In many ways, this, this season is and this year has been all of us underestimating Brady shang at every turn. Um, and I think the playoffs – you know, if I if I were to tell you that Brady Shea had two goals, you know, against Montreal in the first round, and the only Ranger to score more than him was Zuccarello, who had three. Um, it, you know, if I said that to you back in October, you know, you'd be shaking your head. Not only was the only the only Ranger G to score goals, but you know, he had two, and on top of that, he looked fantastic in terms of you know, keeping relatively disciplined in a really edgy series. He just had, I think, one penalty. Um, and that pair with Smith, you know, Smith playing the right side is, you know, in spirit, it should be the Rangers' second pair. <laughs> it's not, but it's, <laughs> that pair is really, really good. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to dig into the numbers yet, but, you know, they, they just keep things simple. Um, there were times where I think Shea... You know, maybe didn't look incredibly sharp in transition, but doing things like jumping into the offense, you know, which is w- where one of his goals came from when he found that uh, the rebound on that great drive by Nash, and you know, his other goal was just kind of a a dignity goal in one of the the early games where the Rangers were were playing very poorly, but VC. You know, he doesn't have to score to be good. Um he certainly played his role well and he did that before and after uh Max Pacioretty punched his sweet face and that mustache <laughs> he's working on. Um and like Beth said, Booch, the fact that Booch came into, you know, a river that already had a pretty crazy current and just went right along with it, didn't miss a beat, looked very good, you know, was drawing penalties, was making great passes. You know, it's really impressive, but Shea, just because he's a defenseman, I always have a soft spot for D, and the offense that he brought, and the fact that he just continues to impress the hell out of us at every turn, I'll go with Shay. What about you, Joe?
3: only one oh
0: left. Oh,
1: boy. Is it V C? Yeah, got to join. Sing? <laughs> yeah, sing Jimmy V C song.
3: Jimmy, Jimmy Jimmy. Jimmy Vici? Great Jimmy V
1: uh, I don't even remember what the song was. The Jimmy VC song. Poor he Jimmy was going Vesey. someplace. Yeah, yeah, but what he was good like poor Jimmy V C was going somewhere. I have to go Probably back and read it. Down big the mountain Florida. or something. It was like some type of country song. Whatever. Jimmy VC deserves a lot of credit. I, I think he played a great game in all three zones, and historically we've seen V C struggle on his own end a little bit, and he certainly did not against the Canadians. The Rangers did a lot of Interceptions along the neutral zone, and VC was a big part of that. And and look, he's. I also love that when Brady Shea scored the tying goal in game five, VC's celebration was even bigger than Shea's was, and he didn't even score the goal. (laughs) Um, I would have told you if you would have come up to me and said, Hey, the first round is going to end in six games, and Kreider, Miller, and Hayes are going to score zero goals combined. I would have absolutely told you the Rangers would have been on the wrong end of that, and they weren't. And that they've made it this far with that much offense missing daily contributions, I think you should be very, very optimistic about what's coming. And a big part of that is because Rick Nash was an animal, and he was great, and the Rangers best forward top to bottom in all six games. Beth, this is your moment. Talk about Ricky Nash. (laughs)
2: Uh, oh, my
1: <laughs> Well, again, I, I think
2: Rick I
3: Talk about Rick and shawarma.
2: God damn it. No. <laughs> no. You have
3: I'll to. I have to mention shawarma
1: yeah,
2: well,
3: in some yeah, way? it's
1: required. Yes. All right. Well, somewhere in this. You need to work it into Rick the conversation is... if you can. And it has to be organic.
3: We'll involve shawarma. Um, I think I said this last week and I still sort of stand by it. He doesn't let what's going on with the rest of the team affect him. But then when the rest of the team is on, um, of course, it makes him better. Um, He played game two and three. It felt sort of by himself, which can't be easy. Um, And he was relentless and just never gave up and brutal in front of the net when it sometimes seemed like nobody else wanted to go there for some reason that nobody understands. Um, And just making things that just never stopped. And on a team that has issues with consistency to have a player like that, who detractors will say has an issue with consistency, but if you actually watch him um, carefully and appreciate what he does, you realize he's far more consistent, Um, consistently great than a lot of other, um, than he gets credit for being. But there was no way to miss, I mean, he and Hank, there was no way to miss how great he was in this series. I thought, oddly, I thought he quieted down a little bit in game six, but that was actually probably because other cylinders were clicking and he didn't stand out as much as being the only guy who was, you know, essentially, if no one else is going to do this, I guess it's me. So, and um, shawarma. Ah, oh, very
1: good. That was not even remotely organic. No, that was, <laughs> you you very, that said, was a clean dismount. <laughs> it was not a clean dismount. It was not even a dismount. It was, it was like, no. like gently tapping the vault and being like, okay, I did what I was told to do. You could have said well, the way that the delicious cone of meat cooks evenly all the way around is the same way that Rick Nash cooked the Montreal Canadiens from game one to game six.
3: I would have accepted that. Uh-huh. I had- my goodness.
1: Go ahead, Mike. Fine. You can disappoint me now. Uh, Nash <laughs> played
2: so well that he made Montreal defenders look like traffic cones of shawarma. Um, Interesting. Uh, looking at, well, you know, Beth, at least I tried. It wasn't very good. but
3: You did. You, did. you just, definitely did better than I did.
2: I should get a participation medal of some kind. Uh, I think a number that stands out the most to me is, you know, after the second highest shot total for the Rangers in the series against Montreal was the Binajad who had 13 Nash led the way with 23 shots. That's very nearly four shots a game. Um, I don't know what more you can ask of a guy in terms of, you know, he's supposed to be, you know, the power forward. He played that role to a T, I think, you know, two goals and an assist in six games. and, you know, he cre- he absolutely created the goal that he got an assist on, that, the Shea goal that we talked about a little bit ago. Uh, he killed penalties. The Rangers found a way to not let their really, really shoddy penalty killing sink them against Montreal. Um, you know, he was, he was the guy who did all things that you look for while playing 30 shifts a game. Uh, he's... He's a guy I know that we, by default, defend, um, you know, all three of us because, you know, we, we take at face value what he represents. But I also understand why people get frustrated with, you know, the, the specter of whether or not he produces enough in the playoffs or even this regular season, you know, the time he missed and, you know, the kind of modest looking counting stats. You know, it's just like Montreal fans are frustrated with Pacioretty or Radulov. You know, those are the guys who are supposed to score goals. And, you know, it's, it's easy for Rangers fans to say, but look, you know, Pacioretty was doing stuff. He shot and he beat the piss out of VC for no reason. And, you know, he really tried <laughs> to do things. But when you're the fan base that has that player, it's, you know, he's here to score goals. Goals weren't scored. Um. But the thing is Nash does so so many of the other periphery things just you know how he plays away from the puck just do we need a line change do we need someone to just muscle his way into his zone entry I'll do it you know I'll do this I'll do that I'll go hard to the net I'll create goals I'll create chances I'll put you know an avalanche of shots on net and there's really nothing nothing more you could ask of Nash in that series uh, I I loved how he played. I'm very excited for for what he's going to do against Ottawa because I think, you know, Ottawa is a team that, you know, really outside of, you know, Carlson, you know, you ask, you know, what other defender do they have that really strikes fear into your heart as a guy who can really play a sound two-way game? And, you know, I'm not really worried about what Dion Phaneuf is going to do with Rick Nash. I think Nash will be able to, To make, you know, continue this kind of aggressive go-hard-to-the-net play that we saw against Montreal, and I think he might have even more success against Ottawa. Shawarma.
1: Both of you have (laughs) let me down, so I I don't even know where to begin. All you had to do was work Schwarma into a very simple... I'm not even getting into this. You've both disappointed me beyond words. Um... I did it though. Why? Well, I did you good. Did not, you did not. Mike, you did not. Mike did good. Mike did well, not.
3: Mike did good. Mike's going Mike. to say You're Mike really did good. We're touching on the ice, but you know the analogy works. I thought well, Mike betrayed oh, well, me. I know. I just say shawarma. Yeah.
1: Okay. He betrayed me. Um. You
2: weren't getting to a sentence then, Chief.
1: I did before, You're Michael.
2: Dead. Oh, I like, didn't pay crisp attention. To that. The
1: edges of the meat spinning on the. Shawarma thing—you've angered me. It wasn't oh great, my. but it was better. Th- it was better than what you came up with,
2: Joe. You should probably
1: write, write on a blog somewhere or something. About <laughs> it was really good. Uh-oh. What are your Maybe. predictions for this series? Uh oh, Mike. I'll let you go first because Beth, you know. Although I question before we begin that, which is, do I have to go against the Rangers because it was good luck? Mm.
2: no there's no, no such thing as luck
1: Th- okay that's not it's like true
2: Ed- Edward Furlong hey. said it in one of the Terminator movies there's no luck but what you make or
1: something get to the chopper that also is probably the
0: said but
3: when Nick Hero told us all to change something after the bad first period of game six we all did and the, and, and 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 it worked so clearly there is such thing as luck I took off my NASH shirt and put on a Connecticut Whale shirt for reasons Ah. I don't really remember.
2: I love the Connecticut
3: Whales logo. It is a great logo. That's mostly what I was thinking about. It makes me Um, happy.
2: I think the Rangers can win this in six. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens in five. I do think they're the favorites. Um, I know that that's kind of what the general consensus is, uh, especially with Carlson. Not being at 100. percent I'd like to think they can get it done in five, but because they're the New York Ragnars, it'll be six games. I think.
3: <laughs> Beth, I'm going to go all the way to seven again, but this time I'm going to remember I did it because again, Ragnars. <laughs> so yeah, Rag- Ragnars got to get them. We got to give them at least games to lose their minds. I think in the bad way. So uh, oh.
1: Boy, I know what I'm actually feeling. I'm just curious if that should be what I should do.
3: Just saying. All right,
1: don't be ashamed.
3: Rangers of who in you six. Are, Joe. Keep your heart, Joe.
2: Rangers in six. Well, if the Rangers lose, folks, you know who to blame. Yes, yep. Beth. And her Not me. Magic. I did
3: everything right this time. Next time, I'm okay. gonna lie and say I uh, six.
2: That's practically disrobed for a Rangers victory, Joe. You've done nothing.
3: I disrobed
1: somewhere in the garden. Goodness. And then was promptly escorted out by security almost immediately. Um, more bail money. Boy, yeah, we do need more bail money. Patreon.com slash enter. I just think, uh, I think we've earned it, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> uh, and Mike, give, give five reasons why people should donate to the Patreon
2: um, the first reason is if you have the means to donate that would be greatly appreciated the uh, second reason is we would all appreciate having uh, better microphones slash headsets and ways to give you our mediocre awkward white people voices in a more crisp and clear tone um, is Beth white?
3: Am I white? Is yeah, that I didn't the question? Okay. Go on. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, you
2: know, I, I love when we get hard.
1: Mike all. Oh, I love when we get Mike, like, he's not expecting <laughs> it. And then we oh, get him. No. <laughs> so totally. Because you, you literally ask the question is Beth white in a non humorous tone? <laughs> no, that's the way that you have to. De- it has to be delivered that way.
2: Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. How many more reasons do I need
1: three? Uh, you do.
2: Um, I have one. Uh, go ahead, Beth.
3: Oh, that I'm going to make Mike put the Awesome Blue Shirt Banter logo on a t-shirt. And if you donate above a certain amount, I can't figure out right now, but a lot of you probably already have, you're going to get one. And that logo is awesome because Mike made it and it has an ostrich. It does right. not have swarm. I hope it never does.
2: No, it'll never have shawarma. I ever, have ever. a reason.
1: If we raise enough money, we can launch uh, an investigation as to whether or not Beth is white.
2: Why would that matter, Joe? You're a terrible person. It's, just, it's getting strange.
1: I'm just saying. We we were a little confused. We didn't know. Now we need to know. It wouldn't change see? anything. We would still love her just the I'm, same.
3: I mean, I knew.
1: I guess you and do I'm pretty know. sure Mike. You tell us. Uh, how many reasons
3: do we have right now?
2: We're at five. Most of them are b- no. bullshit. So, uh,
1: let's give bonus. Why
2: reasons. else? Um, because Joe is going away to Europe, and he might get knifed in an alley. And if that happens, we'll need money to get his corpse back to America.
3: Yes,
1: next totally, totally possible. I mean, I, God forbid it happens. Um, but...
2: You could get
3: hit by a pigeon. I got hit by a pigeon in Europe, but I didn't die.
1: <laughs> so you've compared getting stabbed had... in an alley to getting hit by a pigeon?
2: Well, a pigeon has a beak it with which really to sit back.
3: Alleys, you know? And a pigeon, pigeon was flying down at eye level, and it never occurred to me that he wasn't going to move.
1: Oh,
2: he got you in right?
3: face? It was Damn. awful. Uh,
1: I but had a again, coworker who got out of a cab and the minute she got out of the cab, a pigeon flew into her, like, face and she screamed mm. at the cab driver as if he was the controller of pay- pigeons and it was his fault. Yeah I don't know what you one know, does when they get hit by a pigeon, but I suppose Beth could tell us. Go ahead, Mike.
2: Did you know that the pigeons we see all over New York and everywhere in America are actually an invasive species of pigeon because the pigeon that was in America we hunted to extinction.
3: Really? Yep. I did not know that. Mike what knows about all the, the bird things.
2: The ostrich <laughs> is a vicious, yeah, what backwards kicking monster.
1: That has murdered before?
2: I'm or sure there's the an ostrich fatality. No the no, cassowary... Eaten. Because ostriches, everything, and every animal in Af- Africa seems like it can kill someone. I'm sure someone's died from an ostrich. I know people race ostriches. They ride them. Which can't be smart, but they awesome.
1: do. On this website, the ostrich is the... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It is the second most likely bird to cause serious death or injury. They average 140 pounds and may reach 7 feet in height. Oh, this one is with all the babies.
2: Oh, baby ashes. What's the most dangerous borb? Uh, Believe
1: it or not, the cassowary. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a rainforest dwelling member. (laughs) Native to northwestern Australia. Uh, Cassowaries have black plumage and blue skin patches. Well, this is just... Armed with razor sharp spurs and one of the strongest kick forces of any animal, cassowaries will not uh-huh. hesitate to challenge a perceived threat. Human intruders into cassowary habitat have been ripped open, disemboweled, or killed instantly by the force and slicing effect of a cassowary attack. <coughs> well, especially they if they go after a lot of children. Yeah,
2: yeah. The they, the child. they love child blood. They do mean
3: child blood
2: yeah it was to be fair folks that child did kind of have it coming yeah he tried to club it him and his brother I mean we don't want any children to be hurt Outback you children if, are not, if
1: you are but, listening to this podcast avoid cats at all costs Yeah.
2: if nothing else that's why you give us Patreon money is because we have these PSAs that keep everyone mm-hmm. safe
1: yes Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I don't think I have anything else to add. you want any video?
2: Well, I, I don't know. It, it's we, a pretty we, interesting... The optimism heading into this series is a little alien. I don't know. I'm not sure I like yeah. it yet.
3: When we're happy. Very yeah, compelling little, for us. It. It's unnerving. I love that word.
1: Yeah, I don't know how I feel about being comfortable, because every time I feel comfortable with them, they give me a reason not to be comfortable.
3: <laughs> that is why I'm saying yeah. seven games.
2: Yeah, that's also I was
1: thing about. game five be a disaster <laughs> for all of us.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's not I, I even a joke. She sick, literally though. asked for it.
2: Yeah, she no, wanted it to be edge-of-the-seat nightmare.
3: The meant to win in game six, and I was right.
1: Uh, you were right, but it almost caught... You could have... It cost all of us dearly.
3: We're happy now, like though, dro- remember?
2: It was like dropping the atomic bomb, Beth. It was. You won the you, war, you, but, but at what cost?
1: At what cost?
3: Um,
2: at what cost, Beth?
3: All right, well, I'll try not to do that again. Unless it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> it's
1: work. It did work. You may have to go back to it, but we reserve the right to be angry at you for doing it.
3: All right. And I, I make no apologies. I do what I have to do. Uh, it's wow. A
1: very mother thing to say. True. That is what my mother used to say. She does what she has to do. And then you would go out in what the field to and club do? a cassowary. I would do whatever. <laughs> I would shake the pennies at the neighbor dog.
2: You strike me as the kid who would try to hit a cassowary, by the way, Joe.
1: Uh, you know. Maybe, but never. I would have never been brave enough to do it like with a club where I had to get that close. I would perhaps would be like, throw something at it, but I, not yeah. to kill, just to see what would happen, um, which is maybe even dumber because I don't even have a goal. At least the kids that were going to kill it had a goal. Um, no, they weren't there to be dicks. No, I'm pretty sure you don't club something to be a dick. You club it to kill it. They
2: were it. bored. It was Remember 20s. we did the they whole. Didn't really have
1: much. Yeah,
2: it's not like they had a Game Boy to play. They were just like, oh, there's a thing, let's kill it.
1: <laughs> but then you're admitting that they went to kill it.
2: Well, you know, without a Ouija board, we can't figure out what they wanted to do. But, you know, I I would safely assume that they were just being idiot kids, and you know, like kids who I throw played. rocks at cats.
3: Yeah.
1: Maybe. I don't know. We'll never know. They're gone now. R.I.P. they're
2: dead, Joe. R.I.P. R.I.P. Rest P.
1: in peace. Just like that cassowary R.I.P. that kid's throat. Okay, so but Beth and I were sympathetic to the victims. You have just sided with the cassowary. I'm I'm you don't even care. an innocent live was lost. No, and
3: well, it's, I was pretty team cassowary actually. Yeah, I mean, I am too, my, but
1: we also we also have to understand that two young men lost their lives that day.
2: Now, one young man lost his life. The other was probably had horrible post traumatic stress disorder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but All birds scared.
2: again.
3: My kid leaves so, the house with a club. I say, don't go after a cassowary, and she listens sure, to me.
1: I mean, the way that we're speaking right now, we think that between the Senators and the Rangers, just to get this back to hockey, the Rangers will be the cassowary and the Senators will be the kid with the club. That's what we hope. That's what what we hope. Beth and her dark magic. Um, All right. Well, I think we should apologize because this was certainly off the rails from the very beginning. And I blame Mike. Mike just didn't put the time in this week. He really didn't. Do you have also anything you to didn't say for say yourself? We're
3: in ear, Joe. What? Which practically I preferred. You didn't say we were in their ear.
1: Oh, you like that? I thought you guys hated that.
3: No, I, I, I hate, hate it, but I just wanted to point I out that it was so different. And-
1: <laughs> well, we are in your ear right now. God damn As it. you listen to me speaking right okay. now, I'm in your ear. Mike that is in your ear. Me. Beth is in your ear. We're all in your ear at the same time. Yeah. Just... Well, it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. This is the way that headphones <laughs> work. You should know this.
3: All right, gentlemen.
1: All right. I love when we get to the point of the show where Beth is done with us. Yeah, Beth just
2: taps out. She's like, enough <laughs> for fortune, She's, she's
1: just like, she's, she's laying <laughs> down and she's like, enough. Okay, that's it. We're done. All right. Stop.
2: I need wine and to get away from these idiots.
1: Uh, well, since my... Beth is, uh, since Beth is ending the show early, I'm, twitter.com I'm slash blue shirt banter, uh, twitter.com slash Beth Macklin or twitter.com slash Beth as well. Um, twitter.com slash dig deep, deep Go to patreon.com slash blue shirt banter to, for whatever reason, fund this experiment, which <laughs> can't, cannot, it can't be a great investment. Um,
2: no. But. Thank you for everyone who does it, by the way. Yeah, you thank you great. for all of you. You guys are the best. And thank you for listening thank and you. comments and everything. You guys are great.
1: Never gonna keep you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna turn around and desert you. Goodbye. Goodbye.
2: That's a great... Yeah, We have to go now, don't we? Goodbye, you know, everyone. Enjoy. Thank you.
1: Beth already left.
2: She's done. Come on. Oh, there she goes, doing her thing. Yep. See ya.
1: Beth. Beth is Goodbye. Out.